Thank you for tuning in to a Budapest Beacon podcast. I'm Ben Novak. Joining me in the studio today, Miss Lily Beyer. Lily, thank you for coming by. It's good to be here. And Peter Erde, editor with 444.hu. Good afternoon. We've got a very special episode for our audience today. We're going to introduce you to two terms you should become very familiar with in the coming months. One is Foroös, which translates to hot autumn. The other term we're going to be speaking about is the Shoroshtav which translates to the Soros plan. So let's get started here. Lily, what can you tell me about the hot autumn? So this is a term that we started to see from uh, Fidesz politicians, including from Prime Minister Orban himself in the early summer. And what government politicians are saying is that they're expecting disturbances this coming fall. They're expecting street protests. They're expecting the opposition to step up and to try to undermine uh, public order this fall ahead of the spring election. Yeah, I think in their interpretation, it, it would include some sort of violence or violent protest. When they refer to a photo or a hot autumn, they I think that they always mean there would be some sort of violence involved on the part of the opposition activists. But it's not entirely as though there wasn't any warning that something is going to happen in the fall. Now, whether that is a violent protest or a nonviolent protest, back during the summer when Guyash Marton gave his uh, Marton Guyash, a civil activist here, gave his speech at uh, Sabotchag Square. He's, he announced then that he is calling all the opposition parties to get together to write a new electoral law and that if they write this law and they propose it to parliament and if parliament does not adopt this new law, then he and his movement are going to step onto the scene with civil disobedience. But there's, I think, it's a significantly different thing than, you know, if you ref- there, there was no mention of violence at all. So their aim is to change the electoral system. I think that's... Uh, Regardless of what you think of the current Hungarian electoral system, I think it's a legitimate political sort of point to make or, or, or a thing to want. And then if their demands are not met, so they say they are going to protest in some way, that's also a part of a healthy democracy. So I don't know, I just feel like when the the government brought up this concept of a foro to say that that's related to something Guyash Martyr or anyone else did, is for me it's... It's sort of strange because these people are they just voicing their political opinions or they are just organizing themselves, which they are allowed to do in a free oh, society. Oh, c- completely. So, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not debating that with you. All I'm saying here is that he announced they're going to do nonviolent civil disobedience. Yeah. He's got a camp outside of Budapest where every weekend um, many activists show up and they're actually doing uh, seminars on civil disobedience. But they are, we are doing seminars specifically on nonviolent protests. I agree with Peter that this is not really about uh, Guyash Marton or his uh, movement. I think that the government probably came up with this concept before um, they even knew that um, Guyash Maton was planning um, on uh, potentially launching a movement uh, involving nonviolent uh, civil disobedience. Uh, one thing that we saw this week was the government media um, attacking a student movement, the student parliament, saying that this uh, hot autumn is beginning um uh, this week with their protest. Now, that protest, like all others, was a, a peaceful one. It, it was planned as a peaceful protest. And actually, plans of the protest were leaked uh, to the government media, probably by some kind of mole inside of this student movement. So I think that there's a 
an effort um, by Fidesz and the government to pick on different kinds of civil society movements and opposition movements to create this grand narrative of, um, you know, coming disturbances. And and let's just be specific about this this protest Lily was talking about. So these this thing is organized by high school students, 16, 17-year-old kids. They were planning to build a wall uh, of uh, shoeboxes and duct tape in front of the building of the the Human Resources Ministry, which is responsible for education. And they were planning to listen to Pink Floyd's wall while changing the word teacher with the name of the Minister of Human Resources. So this, so let's just, you know, say that this was the protest with the shoeboxes, the duct tapes, and 16-year-old kids singing Pink Floyd, which the government media designated as the beginning of this violent hot autumn where there's going to be violence. So have you guys seen any signs yet that there is going to be a violent uh, or there are going to be a series of violent protests or anything around the city or around Hungary? Absolutely not. There are no signs of any political movement in Hungary right now uh, from the far left, actually to the far right, um, that that appears to be violent. I think there are, I mean, as far as the far right goes, I think there are violent groups there, but they are they would not be involved in like a political activity and like not in the way they are violent towards minorities and you know gay people and the Roma and stuff like that but they are not they don't organize violent protest against the government you know because partly because they like the government and so for that I think it's completely ridiculous but this is not the first time this came up so even in 2007, when uh, the socialists were in power and uh, Ferenc Gyurcsány was the uh, was the prime minister, and even before, the government sort of every now and then comes back to this idea that there. So they say we have some information there are going to be violent protesters here and there. This was before Fidesz organized a big rally when they were opposition, and uh, Gyurcsány and the parts of the National Security Committee of the Parliament back then came out and said there there is a threat of violence in that specific rally. And I think this is, back then, this it was just to scare people off. I think this time it's also to scare people off. So when you're a 16-year-old kid or you're a parent of a 16-year-old kid, then you hear somehow that your kid would be involved in some violent acti- like. You don't have to know the details. If you're like a mother or a father, you'd be like just protective and say, no, no, you're not going. We heard on TV that that's going to violent. And there's no way a 16-year-old kid can, you know, persuade their parents that we are just building a wall of shoeboxes and tech tape. So I think that part part of the strategy is to scare people off, to like, to, mar- to, 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 to minimize the number of people who would take part in any sort of movement, political movement. Uh, which I think is good for Fidesz. I think there are other motivations here too. I, I, I don't know whether you guys have been following uh, the, the previous protests to that to this extent, but have you have you noticed a change in language? They didn't necessarily use this kind of language to describe the protests that we saw earlier this year. The spring protests were portrayed more as inspired by George Soros um, and, and his organizations and his interests. I think that the, the whole narrative of the, the hot autumn, we don't even know if there will be protests this fall, just uh, to put that out there. Um, I think that the narrative that's being created now is that an, some kind of alliance of interests uh, involving 
allegedly George Soros and and the opposition and others um, are are planning on creating actual disturbances. And one key interview um, to read is one that appeared actually in Magyar Demokrata, a far-right paper that's allied with Fidesz, where an advisor um, to the mayor of Budapest, who actually used to be um, a, an agent in, in the security apparatus, both during communist times and a bit later, um, talked very specifically about um, how the government fears disturbances, including sabotage to infrastructure and other networks. So that the government is really working to create this grand narrative of, of actual dangers to, to the daily life and safety of citizens. Uh, danger that allegedly would come from the opposition and these civil movements, and you know that coincide with the with the hacking of the the Budapest transportation system, in which there was like an 18 year old guy who found a security flaw where you could buy tickets for really cheap if you change something in the URL in their web shop. The guy went on and sent an email to to the to transportation company to notify them there is something wrong with their system. They did not answer. Shortly after, he sent the the flaw to Index, one of the larger internet portals here. And that was that. And then after a few days, the municipality went on and translated into this as some sort of organized sabotage. The This kid was arrested by police or, you know, not arrested, but police went to his house at night, brought him in. There was a massive uproar about that. So then there was a... The metro cars, we have, we sent uh, some of the metro cars to Russia to be repaired and rebuilt. They came back. They are still unusable. They break down every day. There's, this is like a political scandal now. And so one of these breakdowns, I don't know, the 50th or the 100th, I, I don't even know, they found a piece of wood. A little wooden block. The wooden block near the door. And so they concluded that that wooden block prevented the doors working properly and that's why they had to shut down the line and that wooden block, which is like a two centimeter by two centimeter piece of wood was uh, was put there intentionally to sabotage. And I think this is how they sort of ramped this up. This was, a, this was an answer to a specific thing, a wooden block, sabotage. Maybe they thought this is a good idea and they are building this up from there on. But Lydia is right, there has been, you know, efforts even before that, to to create this the grand narrative of you know violence coming violence, and there is an echo here of the 1950s in a way, um, both both in the rhetoric and uh, the, this this notion coming from the government of of sabotage. When something goes wrong, it must be you know someone out there, some kind of dark force um, trying to undermine the state. I think the most ridiculous example of this would be how they treated uh, Srija Popovic, the, the Otpor activist who came here to speak. So this guy was involved in the overthrow of uh, Sloboda Milosevic. Uh, and uh, back then, the, the first Fidesz government from uh, 1998 to 2002 was a really pro-Western, NATO-involved government. Orban Viktor was the prime minister back then too, but he was a completely different politician. And so back then, all the Otpor guys, the, the the opposition civic movement who eventually overthrew Milosevic, trained here in Budapest. So with money from the US and other sources, they built up their base here. So Budapest was the hub of the opposition, the Serbian opposition, which overthrew Milosevic. And this guy was, you know, uh, sort of a, a legendary figure within Fidesz, the Nemec Jolt, who's a 
sort of uh, he's like he's a foreign policy foreign wonk, a big transatlanticist, uh, yeah. probably the biggest transatlanticist in, in the, the in the upper echelons of Fidesz. And so he spoke about these people so highly, and people quoted him even now how he admired this person, Strija Popovic, and others. And now. Uh, this guy, the Serbian guy, came here to give a lecture to Guyash Martins. His thing is non-violent protest. So that's that's his forty. That's that's what he does. He teaches non-violent protests. And so he came here. He spoke to a group of people, and then the government media tagged them and said, "So now we have these foreign agents, persons coming here to to prepare for this for us for the for the hot fall." which is ridiculous. This guy used to be an ally. You, this guy used to be some heroic figure even in the Fides pantheon of people. Yeah, but it just goes to show that it doesn't really matter what they're yeah. doing here. As long as you give them an inch, they'll take a mile and they'll twist it and turn it until they can generate a strong enough political message to scare. Yeah, I think and the, I think uh, that you know, the, their supporters may not be aware of the nuances of uh, sure. this guy's you know, role in the Slobodan Milosevic thing. But it's like I think it's it shows a lot when the when the government like goes and says that the people who threw Milosevic, like who 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 got Milosevic to go away, were like some you know bad bad people. Okay, so earlier this week, Fides held its parliamentary group summit down in Valencia, and Viktor Orban reportedly told the parliamentary delegation that he wants a national consultation on the Soros plan. Can you guys explain to our listeners what the Soros plan actually is? 444, you guys are clearly a part of that. So did they, was there an internal memo that went around? Oh yeah, sure, sure. But we had to sign an NTA. So the thing is, the the Soros plan and the the national consultation. There was a really interesting bit with the the parliamentary group changing leaders now. So Koshalayos used to be the the head honcho there. He's uh, he's leaving this post to become a minister without a portfolio. And he actually gave the the press conference where they announced the national consultation. The, he compared the idea of the Soros plan national consultation to the invention of fire. In his defense, the question It's was, a great idea. Tomasz Fabian from Index asked him, whose idea was it? Who was the one who brought up the idea for, yeah. you know, for the, for the Soros plan uh, national consultation? And Kosha didn't want to answer the question. And he said, well, we don't know. It just kind of came up while as we were talking. Like, and, and, and then it, he said- He said it was said, a similar debate as to when they invented fire. And he asked, do you know who, do we know who invented the wheel? Yeah. He also said that. So, but that's Kosha, you know, and that's why we love him. Because I know. he says these kinds of I'm, things. I'm really <laughs> sad to see him go, to be honest. <laughs> well, you know, this is a, this promotion comes at a really good time. I think Fides could probably do a lot better with, at least publicly, with somebody like Gergay Guyash. It will be so much more boring than Kosha. It will be, it will be. But anyway, Kosha, back, to, Kosha's a, back to the Soros yeah. plan. So I think that what the government means, and, you know, this is just... Uh, this is just me guessing, but the, the government probably refers to the idea that George Soros or Soros wants to, uh, you know, flood Europe with refugees. So there was there there's supposed to be some evil master plan people don't know about yet or know about, but you know, about how 
I think they say George Soros wants a million refugees. Yeah, so a th- year. this is what they've been harping on for for the past few years now is that George Soros has a master plan. What he wants to do is bring millions of Muslim terrorists into Europe, and that not these- millions, million a year. There's like a specific number. We already talked a bit about the echoes of the 1950s, and here we can go back to that as well. Um, the, this idea that uh, a nefarious foreign force is trying to completely undermine the state, um, sending in agents and so on. Um, that's something that we saw here in the 50s. And then we can go even further back in the Hungarian political tradition to some of its darker times, um, also through the 1920s and 1930s. Um, over the summer, there was a poster campaign funded by the Hungarian state against George Soros. Um, his face was plastered all over the country with the headline, Let's Not ha- uh, Let Soros Have the Last Laugh. And those posters bore a remarkable resemblance um, to some anti-Semitic posters from the interwar and early war period um, in, in this region. A fascist propaganda. That's right. Well, I talked to I talked to two people, Attila Juhas, who is the director, uh, deputy director of political capital. And I asked him to kind of hit me with just a quick bullet point list of why this whole Soros plan campaign is so important right now. What, what is what is this going to accomplish for Fidesz? And just to uh, just to let our listeners in on this, I'm just going to share share a few of these points here. Um, the first point is that he says it helps create a common enemy, a very, you know, a common enemy and a shared fear amongst uh, Fidesz's base. And it helps mobilize them and kind of bring them all in, herd them all in. The second is that it helps set an agenda. It creates a theme. And we saw this in 2015 when Fidesz was really slumping in the polls. You know, there were a lot of protests going on. This refugee crisis came like a godsend. You know, it really helped them move move way back up. And it's been really the only issue they've been able to use to really maintain their base. Um, he mentions direct marketing, you know, so they're going to be sending a lot of mail to everybody again, updating the party or list of uh, the database of supporters based on this this feedback they get from the national consultation. Um, it's essentially campaigning on public funds outside of campaign season. And uh, there's an invisible opposition. So while Fidesz can use this national consultation to say, hey, so many people have sent us back this, uh, this national consultation showing that they're right behind us, there is absolutely no way of seeing who is not taking part in it. And so it's as though Fidesz is able to shore up all this support and there really is no opposition to this. Yeah, this is this- one way it's sold, especially domestically. And we saw this with, the, with both the, uh, the national consultations and the referendum itself. Especially since, you know, Fidesz say, so we get back a million or two million answers and, you know, 90% of the answers support the government. But that's because of the way that the questions are phrased. So a question would be, do you want George Soros to bring in a million terrorists a year to Europe? or Or do you agree with the government that we shouldn't do that? So... Of the people who choose to answer at all, choose to send back their the, the letter or fill out the form on the internet, obviously going to choose, you know, the 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 answer that the government would like them to choose. The people who don't answer, that's you know, but then the government can go and say, well, those people, you know, they don't turn up, they they don't vote, they are not interested. So we only draw conclusions from the from the amount of people who agreed with us and disagreed with us who replied. But the majority of people who don't agree with the government, don't ju- they just don't reply. And another important uh, point to mention here regarding the national consultations is that nobody knows 
how many are turned back in. Nobody knows how they're answered. This is something only the government has insight to. Yeah. So it's a very non-transparent system they have worked out for calculating and assessing the results of this national consultation. It would be interesting to see, though, what the exact question would be, because on one hand, this is great for them right now because the next elections are coming up in April next year. So as you said, they can mobilize their base. They can, you know, go ahead with their fear mongering, which is, you know, also always helpful for them. But also there were some issues that the prime minister spoke about at his annual sort of, you know, direction setting speech he does every year in Romania. And in that speech, he mentioned that we need to like fight the media. So I would not be surprised if among the questions about this general Soros plan, there would be questions concerning the free media, the free press here. Obviously, these would be phrased like, so do you want the media to further the interest of foreign billionaires wanting to bring in terrorists or do you want the Hungarian government to step up? And so when they... The people will say, sure, we want the government to step up. Then I would not be surprised if they drafted new legislation, which happened after the last consultation, even during. So they asked a bunch of questions about NGOs and how they were foreign funded and against the Hungarian interest. And even before they got the answers in, they already drafted the controversial NGO law, which forced foreign funded NGOs to register as some sort of agent. So I would not be surprised if, if we'd see something similar with the media. I agree, though. I'm not quite sure what form um, that legislation could take without getting into um, a lot of trouble with the European Union and perhaps the United States as well, though, of course, Hungary has quite a few infringement proceedings already open. Um, but, but is it is it enough? I'm sorry to interrupt, but is it does it have to be that bad? Because for Fidesz, ultimately, this is all about a campaign. So, you know, the people that I spoke to who who talked about these exact themes that you guys brought up here, what they said is this could easily run into a campaign that lasts all the way to the elections. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, and so infringement proceeding here, you know, diplomatic crisis there at the end of the day, they can drop all that when they need to. And, you know, things can return. Yeah, to but what they I don't think before. there's like I don't think there's like a master plan on their part either set in stone. So sure, they want to introduce this new national consultation. They want to talk about the evil Soros plan because this is good for them politically. And, you know, they will look at the environment, they will look at the dynamics of the situation. And if they feel that they can go ahead and introduce some terrible law to like got, you know, free press, then they will. If they feel that there would be too much, there would be too much resistance from the EU or the states, then they would, you know, step back. It's not like, I don't think that they have, you know, their mindset already on like a specific plan on what to do, what sort of legislation to, to introduce. But I'm, I'm, I would bet good money on that this is the direction, direct direction they want to take it. So based on what we've seen with the previous national consultations, um, the media environment in Hungary has become increasingly consolidated in favor of the government. And what I want to know from you guys is how do you think opposition parties are going to respond to this? I don't think opposition parties are going to respond because – First of all, they haven't been responding to the deteriorating media environment at all for the past few years. And at this point, uh, I think they're struggling very much to get their message across. And in a way, many of them aren't even trying that hard at this point. I think that while I like there were they sure made some noise, but this is not a priority issue. Like, I think this is 
like with the NGOs or the Central European University, this is the this is the conflict the government wants. So it's good for them if the if civil society or if opposition parties talk about how bad it is for Fides to crack down on NGOs and journalists or the Central European University. That's time where they don't talk about the state of the healthcare system in Hungary or the education. So I think from politically speaking, you know, it would make sense for an opposition party who really wanted to to challenge Fides to ignore as much as this as possible. Obviously, it's impossible to ignore it completely. And, you know, whenever they are, you know, if if there's like a shrinking space for democracy, then people should definitely speak up, but should be mindful that these are the conflicts to govern, these are the fights the government want them to fight. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. That's it for today. We look forward to seeing you next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye.